All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to finish this chapter, believe it or not. And we might finish 1 John before the summer's over. No, we won't, because I only got a couple more Wednesday nights, and we start our 24th annual Awesome Preaching in August. We started in 1995 on a Wednesday night. We did it two years on Wednesday night, and I came up with the idea that we could have more choirs and more singers if we did it on Thursday, Tuesday. And uh, we've been doing it since 1995. And so uh, I was looking over the preachers that we invited. First John chapter 3, I want to continue this thought about how to get your prayers answered and how to have an undeniable prayer life. Um, the key, if I had a key sermon, this would be it that I'd ever preach in my life. Matter of fact, if I knew this was a, my last sermon, I'd preach this sermon. I really would. This is a key to your Christian life. This is the key. If um, uh, I believe prayer is important, amen? Yesterday I went down to University Baptist Church, Brother Gary Ledford's pastor, and they had a, a pastor that um, was pastoring Brother Tony Roberts. His boys used to sit on the front row here. They used to sit in the back, him and Joanne. Joanne died about a month ago, and now Brother Tony Roberts has um, uh, come down with cancer. And um, so much of that going on, so much that we need to pray for others, pray for grace. Uh, but in between the services, uh, Brother Canfield preached from Vision Baptist Church, one of the best messages I ever heard at a preacher's fellowship. Uh, Brother Gary pulled me up to the, uh, motion for me to come up to the platform, and I said, I said, what is it? He said, I want you to do me a favor. I thought he was about to pass out or he needed me to moderate the meeting or whatever. I didn't know what in the world he wanted. He was very serious. He says, I want you to, uh, have all the preachers uh, anoint me with oil and pray for me to be healed. And I want you to conduct it. I said, okay, I'll be glad to. And I read John, James chapter 5 about anointing with oil and uh, praying with effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You say, was he healed? I don't know. But I know this. He had faith. And uh, he wanted prayer. And he gave the whole story to the whole the whole. Uh, Every, all the, all the uh, preachers about where he was at. And it came final yesterday that he is not, no longer a recipient for a liver. They took him off the list because of the other complications. He told about his history. And I just thought about how, what kind of grace this man has had over the years to be as faithful as he's been. And so I want you to really pray for him. Um, he's going to go on vacation. He wants one more family vacation next week. I think that's wonderful. And um, it's going to cost him $1,500 for three dialysis. And uh, he said, and he, he, was, he was just beaming. He said, but somebody sent the money in. Uh, a, a marble company near the church sent $2,000 in to cover those three dialysis. See, God answers prayer. Monetarily, emotionally, physically. Spiritually, most of all, God answers prayer. And uh, we can't demand God to heal anybody, but we sure can pray by faith and ask God to bless. But I want to ask you a question. I want, I want to reverse this. Good to see Brother Alan Petty here. Every time I look at him, I think about Vacation Bible School. He used to be one of the characters in Vacation Bible School. He wasn't as crazy as Vinny, but uh, uh, he, he was uh, in my corner when I boxed the devil. I remember I boxed uh, Bob Brock every year. I, 
I think I, I think I boxed him right out of this church. But anyway, uh, uh, we had a good time in Vacation Bible School. Uh, I'll never forget Brother Tom Clary, an all-day sucker and shorts on. We were whirly back then. We've got conservative now. We don't do that. We don't do that kind of stuff now. Amen. And uh, we have cowboys and Indians and stuff, you know. But uh, appreciate him being here. I know he's in for the funeral and praying for the family. Uh, young man, 28 years of age. And we just need to pray for grace for the mom, for the dad, Brad. Uh, Brad brought, was brought up in this church. I'm praying God will work. I'm praying God will work in the Walston family. Uh, several members need to be in this church faithfully. And sometimes our extremity is God's opportunity to touch our heart. But here's a question. If you had one prayer request and you knew God would answer it, what would that prayer request be? Take a few answers. I, I don't think you want to say because a lot of you are praying for that million dollar ranch on the west side. I know what you're praying for. You're praying for that Larmageddon. Uh, you're praying for that Corvette. You're praying for that Volkswagen to crank. Whatever you're praying for. But I want to tell you something. There's one prayer. There's the most important prayer request of the church is this prayer request. If there was one prayer request, if I could say, okay, the Lord said we could have one prayer request answered for this church. Tonight, I'll tell you what I would lead the church in praying for. And it's, it's, it ought to be the prayer request of every Christian. It ought to be the most important prayer request of every Christian. This prayer request will cover it all. And this prayer request will enable it, you to be the Christian you ought to be. And so we're going to preach this a few minutes on it. The escort to heaven. Let's stand on the Word of God, 1 John chapter 3, and we'll begin just in review, uh, verse um, 20, where it says, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. You ought to thank God for Holy Ghost conviction. I was talking to a young man today. I've been praying for him all week, trying to catch him. He just drops in my office, and a uh, very depressed young man. Uh, and uh, thank God for people just coming by. We had a great, great time together. But... Um, God is the convictor. Thank God for that. If you, know, if you don't have conviction in your life, you're not saved. It says, um, it says, if our heart condemns God is greater than our heart and knoweth our all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth not, then have we confidence towards God. That means if you have a clean heart, you can pray. It says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep the, his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And in context, that's loving everybody, even those that are very hard to love. Then it says in verse 23, And this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of, of his son, Jesus Christ. You're commanded to be saved. And love one another as he gave us commandments. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he in him. Here's the text tonight. Hereby we know that he, that he abides in us by the Spirit because He has given us, because He hath given us. Let's bow and pray. You may be seated as we pray. Father, thank You for this great prayer request and thank You, dear God, for the key to prayer. And Lord, I pray, dear Lord, that You'd help us as we preach these few minutes on the key, uh, a key subject, but I believe the key to the subject. And Lord, I praise you and thank you that you are the escort to heaven. 
And Lord, that we can, get, we can have an audience with thee and have access. And God, that our prayers can be answered because you promised they would be if we had this in our life. And so, Lord Jesus, help us and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if I was going to Washington, D.C., like Brother Cody's gone, I would have to have a special escort to get into the White House. I'd have to have someone that had clout, somebody that had um, uh, some uh, pull that, that knew the president better than I knew him, or the vice president, that's who I'd want to see. And, um, and I, I would have to be escorted into the presence of the president. Now, I want to tell you something, friend. There is an escort in heaven for you. There is an escort in your heart for you. You must have an escort when it comes to prayer. Uh, all real prayer is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. To bring into us the presence of bring to us into the presence of an almighty God. The Holy Spirit helps, enables, coordinates all that the uh, all the Lord uh, wants in his in our life and in his life. We listen to his voice, respond through the touch of his power, we offer ourselves in total surrender uh, to the active lordship so that he may indwell in us, fill us, and pray through us. I'm talking about praying in the Holy Ghost. That has nothing to do with prayer tongues. That has nothing to do with the charismatic misinterpretation that the utterance is some utterance that cannot be understood and it's, and it's uh, some kind of heavenly language. That's totally out of context. And, and the Bible says it's utterances that cannot be uttered. And so that means it's not uh, vocal. It's, not, it's, not, it's out, out loud. It's uh, our heart. So prayer is not your work. It's the work of God. God the Holy Spirit. It works because God works it. There is not a true... Listen, there is not true praying to God except as the Spirit is in total lordship of that prayer life. The Holy Spirit gives life, gives power to our prayers. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 that He's the Spirit of supplication. That means, friend, you cannot even get an audience with God Almighty and you'll not get your prayers answered unless you come by the Spirit, through the Spirit. And folks, it's, it's a wonderful fact is that you're accepted unto God by the Spirit. And the Spirit of Sonship is the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 15. And all those who are spirit-filled can uh, prevail in prayer. Let me just give you this real quick before we start with our uh, outline. Prayer vision is a spirit-given vision. Prayer hunger is a spirit-given hunger. Prayer power is the mighty power of the Spirit. And, pouring, and it pours through your being. It, it literally leads you and guides you. And then you can pray exceedingly greatness of His power to usward who believe by the Spirit of God. Uh, the Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. That's, that's including your prayer life. When God called the church to supernatural work for Him, He provided a supernatural power in us and through us. And that supernatural dynamic of the Spirit operates through prayer, faith, and obedience. Prayer, faith, and the Word. We can have our words accompanied by the demonstration of the Spirit. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. And so it's a dynamic life. It's a Spirit-filled life. The Holy Spirit 
is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Uh, maybe, your life, maybe your prayer life's like mine a lot of times. Cold. Hard. Um, just seems like a labor. Uh, matter of fact, the hardest thing you'll ever do is pray in the spirit. The hardest thing you'll ever do is live in the spirit because the flesh is reeking and the flesh is always uh, willing, but the, but the spirit is what we need. And so if there was one prayer one prayer that this church ought to pray. If there's one prayer that ought to be on the top of your list is not for grandmother's rheumatism, not to keep people out of heaven and heal them on this earth, not to keep even people out of hell and have soul winning. But folks, the prayer that we ought to pray is for the fullness of the Spirit of God. That's the number one prayer request. If we had one prayer request, none other, that God would give us, we ought to pray, Lord, fill me, control me, and pray through me by your Spirit. Now, I know a lot of you had some other things on your mind because you've been praying for months and years for that prayer request. But I want to tell you something. All those things should be guided, checked, uh, enlightened, and illumined, and, and convicting through the Holy Spirit of God. So I want to give you about eight things that will happen uh, when you let the Holy Spirit prevail through you and you're, you're enabled into your prayer life by the Spirit. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 29 real quick. That was a long introduction, but I thought it was needed, and we can make this a series, so don't worry. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we ought to pray, whereas we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now let me, let, me, let me just say this. It cannot be uttered. There's nothing about prayer tongues there at all. I've had people come up to me almost on the street and say, Do you have a prayer language? Uh, has the Holy Ghost filled you where you're speaking in tongues in your prayer life? I thought, what in the world? I wouldn't even know if the prayer was answered if I didn't know what I prayed. Amen? I want to know what I'm praying so when I get the answer to prayer, so I don't want to pray in Russian. I don't want to pray in uh, um, Kosa. I don't want to pray in it. By the way, pray for Miss um, uh, Corley and, and Lana. They're, mo they're uh, moving in. They're flying in at the request of Bonnie to uh, help Todd in his... Um, uh, the, the thing about the uh, possibility for another stroke. So pray for them for traveling mercy. It's a long flight. Pray for my daughter. She's flying out Monday and going through the Middle East. I promised God I'd never go through the Middle East again. I'm going through London next time because I didn't like that airport. There was too many Muslims around. It made me nervous. Amen? And they wouldn't let me witness to them. So uh, pray for her. She's going by herself so she can spend some quality time with her sister. She loves her sister. And you'd have to love your sister to go by yourself through the Middle East. So pray for them. It doesn't make parents uh, too happy when they travel by themselves, but they're grown up, so I guess they can handle it. But uh, pray, pray for them, pray for them. And pray for Miss uh, Corley as she comes in for a couple of weeks to help out. Folks, listen, the Holy Spirit uh, knows what we need more than you know. The Holy Spirit, matter of fact, knows you better than you know yourself. The Holy Spirit knows God better than you know God. 
And let me just say this to top it all off. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God better than you know the will of God. I've seen people force your will or our will on God's will. We're going to pray and demand it. And that's that charismatic movement again on TV. We're going to name it and claim it. And God, you're going to have to do it. God's not a servant. And God's not a grocery uh, store boy pushing a cart. He does what he wants to do. And he does it for his glory and his honor. We just got to get in on what God's doing. Say amen. And the only way you're going to get in on what God's doing is find out what the Holy Spirit thinks about it. You mean to be escorted with wisdom into the presence of God. Look at verse 27. It says, And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. There it is. Now, folks, Jesus is our intercessor to, um, to, to God. You've got to come through Jesus. But I want to tell you something, how you get to Jesus, you come through the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's our intercessor. He's our escort. He's our wisdom. He's our guide. And look at this. Don't take this out of context. Look at verse 28. And, and means a continuing thought. We take this out of context so much. And we know that all things work together for them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. I don't think you ought to ever read verse 28 without 29 because, folks, all things work together to make you more like Jesus. How can all things work together when a helicopter can't land a year ago with a liver that was compatible? How can God uh, take a, a preacher that's so faithful and, and uh, why all this sickness all his life? I don't know, but the Holy Spirit knows, and thank God if we get into God's will and yield to the Spirit of God, He gets the glory, and there's a big plan. There's a big plan, and, and, he's, and He has the big picture, so to speak. And so, folks, listen, we know all things work together when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in the Holy Ghost, Jude chapter, well, last, last verse. And so God, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our biggest infirmity. Our biggest infirmity is our prayer life. That's right. Because it says we know not what we should pray for. And so I want to give you just a few things real quick on what the Holy Spirit does in your prayer life. Number one, Joel, the Bible says this, the Spirit fills you so that He can be Lord of your praying. Be Lord of your praying. Uh, being filled with the Spirit of God is the only way to have a real prayer life. Um, if you'll study the book of Acts, uh, 56 times the word prayer is mentioned, but being filled with the Spirit of God or the Spirit of God is mentioned over and over and over again. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit in prayer is mentioned several times. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, uh, they prayed in the Holy Spirit in the upper room. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 1, they were all in one accord and prayed on the day of Pentecost. And on and on and on, the first the church met, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, in a prayer meeting. Uh, the Bible says they prayed and the place was shaken, all filled with the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. The Bible said they had great power and great grace in Acts chapter 4, 36. And then in Acts chapter 6, it got so busy, they said, we've got to get some deacons to take care of these tables and take care of the picnic shelter and take care of all this and take care of that so the preacher can remain in prayer and the Word of God. 
so, folks, prayer is a key. Acts chapter 7, um, Philip uh, Stephen was praying when he was going to heaven. Acts chapter 9, verse 11, Paul began to pray. That's a birthmark of a Christian. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 2, 4, 9, divine encounter with prayer. And on and on and on and on and on. We could go to Acts chapter 8. The, the Spirit of God came upon uh, Philip and, and the Ethiopian eunuch was saved. And it's all because he was in, a, in, in prayer. Prayer leads us. Prayer led him from a great 100,000 uh, attendance revival to go see one person in a chariot and lead him to the Lord. That has to be the Holy Ghost. You don't leave a big meeting to go witness to one person. Not many evangelists would do that. And so he needs to be Lord. And the only way he's Lord, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can't even call him Lord without, without the Spirit. You can't crown him as Lord. And you cannot pray in the Lordship of Christ without the Holy Spirit. Number two, the Spirit makes you spiritually healthy. It makes Christ the very essence of your life. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Same chapter back to verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus, has made us free from the law uh, of sin and death. I'll tell you what's a miserable fact. Some people pray like Pharisees. They pray like scribes and they pray, they pray like Sadducees. I mean, they pray like a religious act or religious duty. And they pray long prayers. Somebody said if you pray long prayers in public, it means you're praying short prayers in private. Oh, y'all are going to shorten your prayers for a few weeks. But anyway, the Spirit of God makes us spiritually healthy. It's vibrant. Uh, we're living in the Spirit gives you spiritual health and vitality so that you can pray as you all. John 15, 7 it's a sign of abiding. If, you, if his words abide in you and you abide in him, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Folks, I'm just going to say this. The greatest index for your spiritual life is your prayer life. Mm. We all got a conviction right there. We ought to dismiss the service right now and come to the altar. Because that hurts, don't it? The I mean, a lot of people, oh, it's so winning. We got to knock on every door. And I heard a preacher talk, talk yesterday about knocking on doors and as church has grown from 5 to 180 average in Sunday school out in Fayetteville uh, where Brother Tony Roberts is blessed to be a part of. And I thought, man, that's it, knocking on doors, soul winning. But folks, without the Holy Spirit, it's all in vain. Prayer is one of the most heavenly and spiritual functions of the spiritual life. A life, therefore, must be truly possessed and moved by the Spirit. And folks, I want to tell you what the Spirit does. The Spirit intercedes in your prayer life. He gives you a holy uh, vibrancy about your prayer. You actually pray like you want to pray. You pray with enthusiasm. You pray with faith. You pray with vitality. You pray. You get up in the mornings praying. You go to work driving praying. You, the prayer life is, is vibrant because the Holy Spirit. Andrew Murray said this, to the extent of, of the abiding the exact measure of the power of prayer. To the extent of the abiding is the exact measure of the power of prayer. It is, a, it, it, folks, he said it is the spirit dwelling within us that, that, that prays. Not in words or thoughts always, but in breathing and being deeper than utterance. Just so much as there is, is of Christ's spirit in us, there is real prayer. Oh, let us live, uh, let our lives be full of Christ and full of the Spirit, 
and the wonderful unlimited promises to our prayer life will not no longer appear so strange and so distant. I mean, the hardest thing you'll ever do is try to pray in the flesh. The hardest thing you'll ever do. I thought preaching was hard in the flesh, and I've done some of that, I'm sure. Over 8,000 sermons behind this pulpit. 8,000. My word, y'all patient people. And I must be scared to move. No, I think this is the perfect will of God for me to stay here. But I want to say this. I got one amen. That's wonderful. But uh, number three, number three, the Spirit draws you to prayer. The Spirit draws you to prayer. I want to tell you something. The flesh will draw you to criticize. The flesh will draw you to TV. The flesh will draw you to the worldly music. The flesh will cause you to be pessimistic and just down and out and depressed. That's the flesh. I've had enough of that. I was talking to a young man today. I said, I want to tell you something. The key to overcoming depression and suicide and everything else is the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I asked him, I said, how, how much are you going to church lately? You go to Sunday school anywhere? I mean, you come in counseling uh, uh, in, uh, on, this, on this watch. I'm going to be honest with you because I ain't got time to fool around. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's only one way to overcome the devil's attack, emotionally, depression, whatever it is, suicide. It's being filled with the Spirit of God. The word filled means controlled. Folks, when he, the devil knocks at your door, you ought to say, dear God, please answer that. I can't handle him. And you can't. And by the way, if the devil wants to do one thing in your life, he wants to keep you from praying. He don't want to keep you from preaching. He don't want to keep you from witnessing. He don't want to keep you from teaching. He don't want to keep you in your activities because, folks, activity without the Spirit of God is just an anesthetic for unspirituality. You don't know how far you are from God if you just do everything without prayer. Folks, you, you can, listen, you can do a lot of things, but you can't do anything that pleases God until you pray. And folks, I want to tell you something. The extent of some people's prayer life is at the table, asking grace real quick so they won't feel like a heathen when they slop down the grits. Amen. That's about the extent of some people's prayer life. And folks, maybe it's somebody's leading in prayer and you agree with them in prayer. No, you ought to have a prayer life. You ought to have a place of prayer. You ought to have a time of prayer. That ought to be the most disciplined part of your life. Why? Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, He draws you to prayer by showing you how great uh, some need is. You'll never care until you're filled with the Spirit of God. You'll not really give a, give a flip. Pardon the expression. Shouldn't even use that. You really won't care until the Spirit of God breaks your heart for that lost soul. You'll really not care... Uh, until God breaks your heart for that dear sister that's been fighting cancer and going through that awful chemo for five years now. You really won't care. You think you care, but you don't care because you're too occupied with a lot of things. I asked those preachers yesterday and read a little in Acts chapter 12. I said, listen, if you don't believe, don't come to this altar. And number two, if you don't really care, don't come to this altar. Because this man's laying his life down his wife's on the front row bawling her eyes out, so, so, so stressed out with all the details and things, trying to take care of her husband. And I said, if we can't pray for them in the spirit and by faith, don't come to the altar. Be the last time I'll have a prayer meeting down there. But I want to tell you this, friend, it's the truth. And folks, we cannot come in the flesh. We can't come in the flesh. We just really don't care like the spirit cares. We really don't see the whole picture like the spirit sees. Hey, folks, we don't see people in hell like the Spirit sees people in hell. So we ought to pray for the lost in the Spirit. 
Only the Spirit can convey to you the heartbeat of God. God, He knows God because He is God. Say amen. Hey, listen, only the Spirit can show you the priority of God. As I said, the priority of our prayer meeting ought to be lost souls and backslidden souls, then the sick. And I believe in praying for the sick now, but I want to tell you something. If we just pray for the sick, there's going to be a lot of sick people go to hell after they get healed. Because I think the greatest healing is when somebody goes to heaven. Say amen. That's the greatest healing. And it's the priority of God. He did not come to this earth through his stripes are you healed is not physical. That's another verse taken out of context in Isaiah chapter 53. Folks, that's spiritual healing. That's not physical healing. And folks, there the greatest healing of all is heaven. The greatest healing of all is the soul. The greatest healing of all is being saved. But folks, we really don't pray the priority of God unless we're led by the Spirit. The Spirit, the spiritual battle in which we cause you to fight is revealed by the Spirit. It's not by flesh and blood, but it's by the Spirit, thus saith the Lord. He's put on the whole armor of God. Remember on the whole armor of God, all that description of the helmet and the thing, and then verse 18 it says, and praying always in the Spirit for all things. For all saints. Amen. I get a little sick and tired of these people posting on Facebook their little devotions and I know they're not in church. I want to, I want to rebuke them. Everybody says, oh, that's such a good devotion. God bless you, Senator. Oh, you're such a spiritual fellow. Well, get in church. Because, folks, we don't just come to church for ourselves. We come to church for others and praying for others and set an example and you're selfish if you sit at home every Sunday morning. And folks, I want to tell you something. When you come to church, you make it a house of prayer. You start looking for needs and you pray for others and you see people and you come to the altar of people and put, their, put your arm around them. Folks, that's real care. We should not forsake our assembling ourselves together and we ought to provoke unto love and I think the greatest act of love is when somebody prays for you. Amen? And somebody lives an example for you. So don't lay out in church and say you was out praying in the back 40 like you used to do, Brother Larry Reimer. Get spiritual on a log out of hunting somewhere. God help you. Get in church. Trade your rifle for a Bible. Amen. I thought this was going to be a nice little Bible study. Spirit of God's leading. Not to be rash, mean, but just to be blunt. We ain't got time to play church. We must pray in church. Folks, a lot of people play in church. They play in church to get their little feelings hurt and they can't pray because they got bitterness. They can't pray because they got a cluttered heart of, of, uh, of bitterness. People can't even get along in church. I want to tell you, there's one place you ought to get along in, and that's church because it's a place of prayer. And folks, I want to tell you, I don't have an alt against any person in this room because i got to pray. And if I have an alt, I can't pray. The Bible says that. You ought to pray by faith. Then Matthew chapter, Mark chapter 11 goes on down about 25 and says, Hey, listen, if you have an alt against a brother, your prayers will not be heard. Period. That's a strong verse. He said, go and get forgiveness. Or go and ask forgiveness. So the Spirit of God convicts us when there's something in our life that we can't, we, where we can't pray. The special need of some friend or loved one is revealed by the Spirit of God. 
this afternoon I was praying, I was feeling terrible. I felt like I felt like an old man. I don't know if that what what happened yesterday. Seeing Gary so sick, it just it just tore me up emotionally. I was down. I just felt like, my word, what's going on? Am I dehydrated? Is it sinuses? You know, sinuses will just drain you. And I thought, boy, it's some major problem. And I was just, I was just, I was just dead thirty, trying to pray, trying to trying to get this message down, you know, and all messages are not easy to get and it's not easy to preach. You ought to try it sometime. It's like working an eight-hour shift. It's rough, but it's wonderful. And about that time, the guy that I've been trying to track down because a grandmother says, my grandson is in trouble, walks in the door and said, are you busy? I was more busy than I've ever been in my life because I didn't have this message. I was panicking. You ought to try it sometimes. Saturday night, you want to call Outline Hotline, 1-800-HELP. You ain't got a message. Now I got one because I preached through a book, amen. I know where I'm going. But a lot of preachers, they're searching the sword of the Lord at Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. I heard one preacher says, I never prepare, prepare till Sunday morning because I believe that's a spiritual lesson. Man, you just saying you can't get one to then because you're desperate. You ever not studied until the right before the final? But I was just so preoccupied with this message and I was even, I lost the outline. I couldn't find it and I was shuffling through trying to find my outline that I'd lost because I, I had two weeks ago. And he says, you got time? I said, I got time. And boy, I'm going to tell you, God worked. And I'm going to tell you something. I felt so energetic after that counseling session, I could charge hell with a squirt gun. I wouldn't have done that, but I felt like it. Amen? Why? Because I believe God used me Maybe not just to, uh, to help somebody, but save a life. That's how urgent it is. The Holy Ghost told me, he said, hey, listen, you better be thorough with this boy because there could be some real tragedy ahead as we've experienced several times in this church. Several times. And so the Spirit of God shows you the desperate needs of people. Spurgeon said this, when, when thou hearest the sound of the goings in the top of the mulberry trees, then shall thou bestir thyself, that going in from the tops of the mulberry trees may have been the footfalls of the angels hastening to help David. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The rustling of the mulberry leaves could have been the, the angels' feet running over those trees to help David because he's crying out to the Lord. You can depend on the Spirit to give you the desires, drawing, hunger, to pray at the very time that your prayers, the Holy Spirit will lead you, folks, to a strategic advancement of Christ's kingdom through prayer. Never disobey the drawing of the Spirit of God, the checking of the Spirit of God, the leading of the Spirit of God. But it all takes a spiritual life. One prayer request, one prayer request that every Christian ought to have at the top of their list. Spirit of God, fill me. Control me. And Lord, I don't know what to pray. And lead me in my prayer. Lead me to a hunger to pray. God, would you make time to pray? And that's a dangerous thing to pray because God sometimes puts you flat on your back for about three or four months so you can have time to pray. It's a dangerous prayer. It's like 
asking God for patience. You know what patience takes? Job's tribulation. Amen. I don't pray for patience much. My wife prays for me to have patience, but I don't pray for it. Holy Spirit, pray through me. Number one prayer request. Let's pray. I'll finish this message next Wednesday. Father, thank you, dear God, for this time of getting some holy hunger for you. If we get some holy hunger for you and yield, there's a key word, dear God, lay it on our hearts, burn it in our souls, yield to the Spirit. Not willing dealing, as I often said, but yield to the Spirit. And God, you'll lead us to a place of prayer. And Lord, I'll just be honest with you. I want to be honest with you. And you know if I am or not. But I believe the church ought to be a place of prayer because you said it should be. Not a place of merchandise. Not even a place of preaching. It ought to be a place of prayer. And Lord, help us to see that our hearts are clean. That our hearts have a clear conscience. That our hearts are committed. But most indeed, as this last verse of 1 John chapter 3 says, that our hearts are consecrated, yielded, dedicated, filled, sanctified by the Spirit of God. That in our prayer life, it wouldn't be just a mere motion or commotion. But God, it would be the locomotion of our life. That you'd move us and fill us. That all things would work together. Because those things working together would be a direct answer of your spirit leading us to pray for those things. And Lord Jesus, forgive us sometimes for having our number one prayer request something we want. God, if our ways please you, you said that our prayers would be answered. So dear God, I don't know what pleases you except by the spirit and the word. So God, fill me with both with my prayers.